Welcome to episode 193 of the Truth Quest podcast, the truth about March 2022, the month of the doomsday cult. Before we get started, I want to ask you to do me a favor and share the show. If you're on social media on topics such as secession, the petrodollar, the great reset, the John Durham investigation, or principles in politics come up, please share the topic-specific Truth Quest episode with your debate partner. Episodes are available on a host of platforms, including iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Music, Podbean, BitChute, Brighteon, Rumble, and Instagram, where I post a short highlight of each show at instagram.com forward slash truthquestpodcast. Whatever platform you may be listening to this on, please take a moment and give it a five-star rating, hit the like button, or leave a positive review. Another way you can help support the show is to throw a small donation my way at the TruthQuest Podcast patronage page. All donations will be used to drive awareness of the podcast through online advertising. See this episode's show notes page at truthquest.podbean.com for details. And finally, please join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash truthquestpodcast. Since President Vladimir Putin ordered Russian troops to invade Ukraine at the end of February, the international community has pummeled Moscow with a series of financial penalties and economic sanctions, targeting Russian oligarchs, state-owned firms, and financial systems. The Russian ruble fell to an all-time low of 119 per U.S. dollar. Ukraine President Zelensky completed his world tour via Zoom, begging other nations, including the EU nations and the U.S., to come to his country's defense and pretty much start World War III. While visiting troops stationed in Europe, President Biden told them that they will see what's going on in Ukraine. His staff walked that comment back. Then Biden called Putin a war criminal, and his staff walked it back. Then the resident said Putin should be removed from power, and his staff walked that back. What exactly are they walking back? Either Biden is correct in his assessment, or he is a demented old man that holds the most powerful position in the world, and he has a tendency to speak the truth when his leash is loosened. I have to give credit where credit is due, though. At least Biden didn't call for the assassination of Putin, as South Carolina Republican Senator Lindsey, I never saw a war I didn't want other people's children to die in, Graham, has said several times over the last few weeks. Then Biden told the world to expect food shortages because of the sanctions he levied against Russia. Oddly enough, his staff never walked that one back. Do you think the left would let Trump waltz up to a microphone and tell the American people and the Western world to expect food shortages due to his sanctions while offering no suggestions, no solutions, no apologies for the problem that he created? Of course not. Which is just another piece of evidence that not only are we dealing with a political foe whose only guiding principle is that the Democrats must win at any cost, but they are literally developing into a doomsday cult. Much more on that over the course of the episode. Back to Russia's war in Ukraine. Western countries, including the United States, are sending weapons and arms to Ukraine. We've had calls for a U.S.-enforced no-fly zone in Ukraine, which would essentially cause World War III as two nuclear powers are shooting down each other's planes. Essentially, the United States' plan seems to be, as the great Ron Paul recently observed, it seems like the United States and NATO are doing everything they can to fight Russia down to the last Ukrainian. The United States is run by a bunch of fools. Vladimir Putin is playing chess while the Biden administration is playing Candyland. This is a currency war. 
And as I outlined in episode 191, The Truth About the Petrodollar, Russia is only accepting payment for oil in rubles or euro, anything but the U.S. dollar. Saudi Arabia, India, and China are moving in that direction as well. Why should you care? Because the dollars that you are in possession of are going to be worth a lot less in the coming years unless the doomsday cult currently running the country into the ground are unseated. We went from Bretton Woods, which was essentially a gold standard. That got eliminated in 1971. Then in 1974, the whole petrodollar scheme surfaced. We had artificial demands for the dollar in return for military assistance over in Saudi Arabia. Fast forward 50 years, $30 trillion in debt, the money supply is at record levels, and we've got record levels of inflation. Speaking of the Candyland chess currency war analogy, consider this. On March 26th, President Biden tweeted how devastating his sanctions were on Russia. Why does this matter? Well, when Russia invaded Ukraine on February 24th, it took 84 rubles to buy one U.S. dollar. And as I mentioned just a few minutes ago, it got to the point where it was like 191 rubles to a dollar. That's a huge decline in the ruble versus the U.S. dollar. Sounds devastating, doesn't it? Just like Biden tweeted. Only problem is... The ruble is now back where it started on February 24th because Putin is playing chess while the Biden administration plays Candyland. Or maybe they don't care. Maybe they are just playing with themselves. That would explain the ineptitude of the administration. Here's another example of chess versus Candyland. So our idiot Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, tells Poland, a member of NATO, to go ahead and supply Ukraine with fighter jets. Obviously, Poland is not run by a bunch of arrogant, evil douchebags like the United States is, because they told Blinken to go screw himself, as the Polish Prime Minister tweeted, FAKE NEWS in all capital letters. The Polish turned around and moved the fighter jets to the American military base in Germany, and essentially told Blinken, if you want to supply Ukraine with fighter jets, go right ahead and do it from there, because we're not the ones that are going to start World War III with Russia. See what I mean about the doomsday cult? Here's a fun fact for you that you likely have not heard from your mainstream media sources. There are level 3 bioweapons labs in Ukraine on the border with Russia in violation of international treaties. Funding for these particular sites was secured by, drumroll please, Senator Barack Obama. After there were leaks and strange illnesses near the labs, the Russians called for an international agency to investigate. Kind of like what the U.S. did back in the 1990s in Iraq. Remember weapons of mass destruction? The U.S. did what it always does. It lied. Ask yourself this question. If weapons of mass destruction was reason enough for the U.S. to invade Iraq, shouldn't it be reason enough for Russia to invade Ukraine? If your answer to that question is no, how about you consider the NATO tanks and troops amassed in and around Russia's border? Still not convinced? How about we pile on top of that mess of shit the fact that the National Democrats and the mainstream media spent the better part of three years accusing Putin of war crimes by interfering with the 2020 election of Trump? Are you starting to see the world through Putin's eyes? Are you starting to understand that the U.S. government, like most governments, is, in a word, evil? Check out episode 186, The Truth About Ukraine, for a deep dive into that topic. Let's turn our attention to COVID news from the month of March. Who knew that a war halfway around the world would end COVID tyranny as restrictions continue to be dropped all over blue states and blue countries? 
I posted this on Facebook. It's called Lessons Learned from COVID Tyranny. I think I took a bunch of it from Steve Kirsch's Substack. For the following reasons, the medical establishment is unequivocally untrustworthy regarding the vaccines. Here's why. Number one, no vaccine trials were conducted on the COVID vaccine, and yet they still told us to take the jab without any discussion about effectiveness and side effects because they were both unknown. Number two, because the medical community bet every ounce of credibility and authority they had on the vaccines being safe and effective. So they cannot afford to ever admit that they were wrong should the vaccines ultimately turn out to have real safety issues. Number three, the medical community became politicized. Number four, in many cases, they violated their Hippocratic Oath. Number five, their one-size-fits-all insistence is contrary to fundamental medical practice. Number six, they got pretty much everything about COVID wrong before the vaccines. Number seven, they refused to treat COVID and medical boards bullied and threatened its members who did not toe the party line. Number eight, there was little courage and a general lack of critical or independent thinking by mainstream medical communities, including my own PA, who when asked if he would prescribe ivermectin to me if I ever came down with COVID, told me he doesn't know anyone who prescribes ivermectin. Number nine, public health officials used wrong information and spurious data to construct pandemic policies. Number 10, the medical community never admitted that they made serious mistakes. Number 11, they denied natural immunity. Speaking about natural immunity, how many of you saw this decade-old clip of Fauci explaining to an interviewer that a woman who had the flu need not get the flu vaccine because her immunity, her natural immunity, was much stronger than the vaccine. Back to the untrustworthiness of the medical establishment, number 12. They advocated for and endorsed censorship and fraud. And finally, number 13, the medical establishment is riddled with massive financial conflicts of interest. You can start with Big Pharma on that one. Real COVID numbers kept flooding out throughout the month. For example, as of the end of September 2021, the UK government reported there were over 130,000 deaths within 20 days of a positive test. All of those deaths were reported and counted as COVID deaths. A Dr. John Campbell reviewed recent data released by the UK government in response to a Freedom of Information Act request that showed the numbers of deaths during 2020 in England and Wales, where COVID-19 was the sole cause of death, was 9,400. Of those, almost 8,000 were age 65 and older. The median age of death was 81 and a half years old. Wow, that's quite a difference, wouldn't you say? 137,000 down to under 10,000? Similarly, the CDC removed tens of thousands of deaths linked to COVID-19, including nearly a quarter of the deaths it had listed for those under 18 years old. They quietly made the change on, on their data tracker website on March 15th. Quote, data on deaths were adjusted after resolving a coding logic error. Before the change, CDC listed 1,700 children as having died from COVID-19, along with approximately 851,000 others. The update saw the CDC cut 416 deaths among children and over 71,000 elsewhere, arriving at a total of just under 780,000. So they lied for two years and allowed people to be maimed for life, suffer side effects, die from the vaccine, and they allowed people to die with no treatments like ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. And now they tell the truth. 
Kind of like the fraud of the 2020 election or Hunter Biden's laptop. Once the damage is done or the end goal is reached, they come out and tell you the truth. I don't believe anything the federal government says. Contrary to the CDC's proclamations, lies, and propaganda, a Swedish study found that Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine goes into liver cells and is converted to DNA. This is something we would have known had a proper vaccine trial been conducted. According to a new study published by the CDC, researchers found after analyzing the reported side effects that came from the RNA vaccines that death as a side effect accounts for 1.3% of all reported side effects. Another fact we would have been aware of had a clinical trial on the vaccine been conducted before forcing it on the American people. There was another study published during the month that listed something like nine pages single space of vax side effects. All of that would have been good information for the public to have known so they could have made an informed decision about getting the vaccine. Something Big Pharma, the medical establishment, and our national leaders, and many state and local too, did not want us to know about. Another study detected heart abnormalities in some adolescents months after the COVID-19 vaccine. Researchers at Seattle's Children's Hospital reviewed cases of patients younger than 18 who went to the hospital with chest pain and elevated serum troponin levels, two key markers of heart inflammation, within a week of getting the Pfizer vaccine. Again, something we would have known had a clinical trial on the vaccine been conducted before it was shoved down our throats, or I guess shoved into our arm. Call this segment Pandemic of the Vaccinated. A report released by the UK government's health security agency confirmed that 7 out of every 10 deaths related to COVID-19 from January 24th of this year through the end of February were fully vaccinated. When children were removed from the equation, vaccinated individuals accounted for 9 out of 10 death cases. I wonder why Fauci doesn't discuss stuff like this. Then we had a study of studies. More than 400 studies demonstrating the failure of compulsory COVID interventions. The evidence shows that COVID-19 lockdowns, shelter-in-place policies, school closures, and mask mandates failed in their purpose of curbing transmission or reducing deaths. The study said these restrictive policies were ineffective and devastating failures according to their review and caused immense harm, especially to the poor and vulnerable within society. Never forget who did that to us. U.S. drug regulators have directed healthcare workers in eight states to stop using a specific COVID-19 monoclonal antibody treatment because it may not be effective against the Omicron subvariant. You mean like the vaccine may not be effective against Omicron? The totalitarian times in which we live are quite astonishing. This federal agency, this unconstitutional federal agency, the FDA, is dictating health procedures to large swaths of the country. It's quite remarkable how much a flock of sheep this nation is. I just don't understand why states don't tell the FDA or the Department of Education or Interior or Energy or any of the other dozens of other unconstitutional agencies to go screw themselves. They have no jurisdiction. Studies kept pouring in about the effectiveness of ivermectin. A new one out of Cornell confirms ivermectin outperforms other options. The researchers analyzed 10 drugs against the Omicron variant of the COVID virus, and ivermectin beat them all. 
but the doomsday cult known as the Democratic Party had to demonize ivermectin and make it difficult to buy because they would rather people die than not obey their vaccine mandates. The U.S. military's COVID-19 vaccine mandate has been blocked for all Navy members seeking religious exemptions. A preliminary injunction that previously covered 35 Navy SEALs now covers some 4,000 others. The lawsuits over damages and deaths attributed to the COVID vaccine are slowly starting to trickle in. Once the attorneys prove fraud on the part of the vaccine makers, which is going to be very easy given all the evidence that we've uncovered to date, the immunity granted to these disgusting companies through the emergency use authorization is broken. I can't wait to start buying put options on Pfizer, Moderna, and Johnson & Johnson. That may be my ticket to early retirement. Let's briefly turn our attention to resident Biden's performance during the month. I already mentioned a bunch of instances where his staff had to walk back his words. He's clearly in cognitive decline. He can barely read words off a teleprompter. His approval rating stands at a whopping 40%. The dude has a 55% disapproval rating. But don't you ever doubt the fact that he got 81 million votes. Speaking of resident Biden's dismal performance, let's talk about inflation. The definition of inflation is an increase in the money supply, i.e. the inflating of the money supply. The consequence of inflation is higher prices. One measure of money supply is the M3 money supply, which is up some $4 trillion over the last four years. Note, that spans the Trump years too, so he ain't off the hook. Inflation has hit every link in the food chain, such as diesel that fuels tractors in the field, and trucks that deliver food from the farm to the food processor, to the warehouse, and then to the retail store. Another cost impacting the, your grocery bill is a major jump in the price of fertilizer, since guess where a lot of fertilizer comes from? Ukraine. Farmers are paying roughly three times what they paid in 2020. The official rate of price inflation as published by the government is 6.9% year over year. But all you have to do is look at your grocery bill, rent, rates, cars, consumer goods, household items, construction materials, and you know the government is full of shit as usual. By the way, that 6.9% rate is the highest since 1980. Oh, and the producer price index? It's at a record level of 2. Meaning the people who produce stuff for you and me are paying more for their inputs, which means even higher prices for us in the coming months. With all that said, what do the Democrats propose? More printing and more spending. The very definition of inflation is the inflating of the money supply, and they want to inflate it more. See what I mean when I call the Democratic Party a doomsday cult? Not only would they prefer people die from COVID rather than get ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine, but they want to kill the U.S. economy and cause financial harm to the American people. What other conclusion can you arrive at? I mean, shit. According to Nancy Pelosi, government spending reduces the national debt and is not inflationary. Yep, she actually said that. Just another lie uttered by another brain-dead propagandist that will be believed by 30% of the sheep who hear or read those words. Saying on the inflation front, gas prices hit their highest levels of all time. According to resident Biden, Saki, Pelosi, and every other talking head on the alphabet soup conspiracy media, gas prices are up because of Putin. 
Of course, if you have the ability to read the X and Y axis on a chart of gas prices, you can clearly see that those prices began rising in February of 2021, which just so happened to coincide with the inauguration of President Biden. During the month, Biden banned oil imports from Russia as punishment for invading Ukraine. Except the only people that got hurt were U.S. consumers of gas. Russia just sold the oil bound for America to other countries for currencies other than the U.S. dollar. Again, check out episode 191, The Truth About the Petrodollar, for more on that. Biden and the Democrats also insist drilling on federal lands will not lower gas prices because they are a one-trick pony. Buy an electric vehicle or sit down and shut up. It's kind of like Obamacare. Support it or sit down and shut up. Or kind of like the COVID vaccine. Take it or sit down and shut up. Or better yet, lose your job and ability to travel. Never mind that there are alternative solutions to all three of those policies, like drilling on federal lands, like guaranteed renewable health insurance policies and more private sector solutions, or in the case of COVID, repurposed off-label drug treatments. Then the Democrats came up with three brilliant fixes to the gas price jumps, sending out checks to all Americans to offset high gas prices, Consider that in light of our just-concluded inflation discussion. Another idea is to temporarily suspend the federal gas tax. And finally, they plan to release some of the strategic petroleum reserves, you know, the one that we keep in case there's a supply problem like when the Continental Pipeline got hacked a few years ago. All of this prompted me to make two Facebook posts. Number one, let me get this straight. We are supposed to believe that a gallon of gas is $4 because Russia invaded Ukraine. But the price of gas has been rising steadily since the day Biden took office, primarily because he ended drilling on federal land, which accounts for 25% of our total production. And now we are hell-bent on boycotting Russian oil because Putin is a really, really bad man. And we are going to replace the Russian oil, instead of drilling for our own, with Venezuelan oil because their dictator is not a bad man. Or better yet, Biden plans to buy oil from Iran because their leaders are... what? On the bright side, no mean tweets. My second post was, what kind of moron suggests sending out checks to American people to offset high gas prices when, number one, the leader of the moron's political party is limiting the drilling of oil and natural gas on federal lands? Number two, just over a year ago, the United States was a net exporter of oil and natural gas. Now it's a net importer and paying prices almost 100% higher. And three, we already have inflation not seen since the 1970s due to the increase in the money supply over the last decade, and these morons want to increase it even more. With the real inflation rate near 20%, with prices up on everyday items between 40 and 100% versus a year ago, with the national debt at $30 trillion, the Fed's balance sheet at $8 trillion, which is about 100% higher than two years ago, and with the M3 money supply up to $22 trillion, over 45% since Trump, the Federal Reserve raised interest rates 25 basis points, which is 0.25. To give you an idea of how lame that is, consider the Fed Chair Paul Volcker raised rates towards 20% in the early 1980s. I'm here to tell you, the 25 basis point rate hike is a joke. The point of raising rates is to slow down the economy, ensure there is less spending, Slow down the velocity of the inflated number of dollars chasing goods, which leads to more price increases. You think 25 basis points is going to do any of that? 
And finally, if all that isn't enough, the yield curve inverted during the month. This simply means that yields on shorter-term government bonds are paying more interest than longer-term bonds, which is the opposite of a sane financial environment. You know, because you want more interest if you buy a 30-year bond than if you buy a two-year bond, because you have to be better compensated for tying up your money for such a long period of time. The inversion of a yield curve signifies recession is soon to follow. An interesting poll came out during the month showing that the majority of Americans in Ukrainians' shoes would stay and fight for the country. What's interesting about that, you ask? The majority of Democrats surveyed said they would flee rather than fight. The New York Times confirmed the validity of Hunter Biden's laptop, a fact that most of us have known for over 18 months. The subject of the greatest mass censorship in modern history. Literally, Joe would not be president today if the New York Post story from October 2021 had not been so heavily censored by big tech. Democrat voters who only get their news from the alphabet soup conspiracy media either knew nothing about it or thought the whole thing was Russian propaganda. I said this on Facebook. Are we allowed to talk about Hunter Biden's laptop that implicates both he and his father in illegal activities now that the New York Times reports that it's authentic? You have to understand how this all works. The National Democrats are all about the ends. In other words, the ends justify the means. They will pursue victory by whatever means necessary. It doesn't matter what lies they tell, which of course will be parroted by the compliant media. It doesn't matter who gets hurt, who gets indicted or impeached. It doesn't matter whose front door gets kicked in by the FBI. It doesn't matter whose constitutional rights are violated. In this instance, they are perfectly happy with lying and covering up voter fraud and Hunter's laptop. They don't care if the truth comes out later because the ends justify the means. Joe is in the White House, Trump isn't, and there ain't nothing you can do about it. They don't care that Biden is senile and bought and paid for by Russia and China. The ends justify the means. If you're interested in a little more information about Hunter's laptop, check out episode 184. Resident Biden nominated Katanji Brown-Jackson to replace Associate Justice Breyer on the Supreme Court based on her skin color and genitalia. Strangely enough, upon questioning by Republicans on the committee when asked the, to define the word woman, she declined because she's not a biologist. Apparently, Biden is able to define it, or at least know one when he sees one, but not Jackson. Oh, and Jackson doesn't know when life begins, presumably for the same reason not being a biologist and all. This prompted a series of online posts. I cannot define the word tree because I'm not an arborist. I can't define the word word because I'm not an English professor. I cannot define the word dog because I'm not a zoologist. I can't define the word planet. I'm not an astronomer. Her comment about when life begins also solicited some legitimate questions about abortion, such as, if you cannot define when life begins, maybe all abortions should be outlawed until the definition is obtained. Senator Ted Cruz led this line of questioning by Jackson. He said, I'm a Hispanic man. Could I decide I was an Asian man? Would I have the ability to be an Asian man and challenge Harvard's discrimination because I made that decision? She responded, I'm not able to answer your question. You are asking me about hypotheticals. The bottom line is, Judge Jackson is a perfect Supreme Court nominee, unable to articulate any principles or guideposts on simple things like the definition of woman or when life begins. This allows her to continue the tradition of activist leftist judges of making shit up as they go along. The Constitution and the rule of law be damned. She's a great replacement for Breyer and will fit in nicely with Sotomayor and Kagan. 
Staying on the Supreme Court, the left wants to impeach Associate Justice Clarence Thomas for the political activities of his wife. I say let's have that conversation, because I propose we impeach Chief Justice John Roberts and Associate Justices Sotomayor and Kagan, all for violating their oaths of office. Roberts for voting for the Obamacare case, Sotomayor and Kagan for their votes on the OSHA vaccine mandate case, since neither health care nor vaccines are mentioned in the Constitution. These people are not super legislators. They issue opinions, not rulings, not laws. If they make up rights out of whole cloth, they are violating their oath of office and therefore should be impeached. Trump held a rally during the month. Stating the obvious, he said Biden has managed to kill the American dream in just over a year. Then Trump filed a lawsuit against Hillary and the man who compiled the infamous Steele dossier while being paid by the Clinton campaign. The lawsuit says Clinton and ex-British spy Christopher Steele, along with around 30 others, carried out a plot to, quote, weave a false narrative that Trump was colluding with Russian actors. The actions taken in furtherance of this scheme, falsifying the evidence, deceiving law enforcement, and exploiting access to highly sensitive data sources are so outrageous, subversive, and insidiary that even the events of Watergate pale in comparison, claimed the 108-page suit. Man, I hope this thing goes through discovery. That will be glorious. Leah Thomas, a biological male, swam in several events at the NCAA Women's Championship meet. He won the women's 500-yard freestyle event. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis declared runner-up swimmer and Sarasota native Emma Wyatt the rightful winner of the 2022 NCAA Division I Women's 500-yard freestyle. Come to find out, Leah only beat Emma by a little over one second anyways, demonstrating that if he competed against men, he would be a mediocre swimmer at best. Have you ever watched teenage boys play sports against women, even professionals? Several years ago, FC Dallas under-15 boys squad beat the U.S. women's national soccer team in a scrimmage 5-2. What do you think would happen if a boys under-15 or under-18 AAU team played against a WNBA team or a college team? My point is, the doomsday cult known as the National Democratic Party, leftists, communists, and general malcontents are hell-bent on taking this country down. I've already provided several examples throughout this episode, but this is an example of taking the country down culturally. Further evidence of this claim is the Parent Rights Bill passed in Florida during the month. It prohibits the teaching of sexuality to 5- to 9-year-olds. Any sexuality. But the sickos on the left want to be able to indoctrinate your children, and they went after it, labeling the bill the Don't Say Gay Bill. Despite the fact that the word gay does not appear in the bill, the crazies, including dumbass Hollywood elitists, just kept hammering away at it all month. The doomsday cult strikes again. Kill babies in the womb on demand at taxpayer expense. Men playing in women's sports. Change the definition of marriage. Mask mandates, lockdowns, school shutdowns, vaccine mandates. And now teach your kids about sex when they're like in kindergarten. I tell you what, the normals in society are done with this nonsense. These people can go screw themselves, which, given their obsession with sex, they may actually try to do. The left cannot give any ground on the indoctrination of your children. They must be taught in K through third grade about sexual identity and LGBT plus dollar sign ampersand carrot parentheses at that young age. They must be told that they can transition to another gender without their parents' consent. This is sick shit. 
This is pure evil. These people's argument essentially is, we are not trying to sexualize or indoctrinate your children, but you better not tell us not to do it or pass a law against the practice because it's a good thing if it happens. Former Secretary of State Madeleine Albright died during the month. With all the fawning over her, I got to thinking, am I the only person who remembers just how evil this woman was? I mean, I don't have a problem praying for her soul or praying for her family, but come on. Where were the prayers for the family, friends, and souls of the half-million Iraqi children who likely died due to the sanctions placed on that country by the administration that she represented? When Albright was asked, is the price worth it? She responded, I think that is a very hard choice, but the price we think the price is worth it. That's evil. Let's end this episode with a quick take on our VP. Have you caught any of Kamala's recent word salad speeches? This woman is either too lazy to read and edit what her speechwriters are putting together or too stupid to realize that it makes her sound like a high school sophomore giving a speech who is trying too hard to impress using big words. Here's three examples. Quote, We also recognize, just as it has been in the United States for Jamaica, one of the issues that has been presented as an issue that is economic in the way of its impact has been the pandemic. To that end, we are announcing today also that we will assist Jamaica in COVID recovery by assisting in terms of recovery efforts in Jamaica that have been essential to, I believe, what is necessary to strengthen not only the issue of public health, but also the economy. I mean, it's hard to read her words. Here's another one. It is time for us to do what we have been doing, and that time is every day. Every day it is time for us to agree that there are things and tools that are available to us to slow this thing down. And so right now, we know we still have a number of people, that is, in the millions of Americans, that have not been vaccinated and could be vaccinated, and we are urging them to get vaccinated because it will save their life. And here's the last one. We are all doing a tour of the library here and talking about the significance of the passage of time, right? The significance of the passage of time. So when you think about it, there is a great significance to the passage of time. There is such great significance to the passage of time when you think of a day in the life of our children. I didn't make any of that up. As a matter of fact, it was difficult to read it. Oh my gosh, this country is so screwed. And that's the truth about March 2022, the month of the doomsday cult. Please join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash truthquestpodcast.